0: homeowner AF. Today I have with me Nicole Montgomery aka Radis Realtor and she's with REMAX Jazz out of Durham Region. So welcome Nicole.
1: Thank you so much for having me today.
0: I am so excited to be here. My pleasure. So Nicole is one of those special people that I connected with on Instagram, and there's some people that you just kind of have synergy with, and you are one of those lovely people, Nicole, and I love what you're doing online. Uh, Nicole kind of brings an interesting scope to the real estate world. She's looking at the first-time homebuyers experienced from a data-informed lens, which is really interesting and something that I'm attracted to as a numbers girl working with mortgages. So before we get into all that fun stuff, uh, Nicole, let the listeners know who you are and who you serve.
1: Amazing. Well, first and foremost, thank you, Brenner, for that beautiful introduction. 10 out of 10. Uh, I feel <laughs> honored to be here and I am super excited to tell everybody about you know, who I am, my setup, my situation, and why the numbers matter. But first and foremost, I am Nicole. I am a real estate agent going into my second year of selling. And um, I have been immersed in the real estate world for about four years now. And I was lucky enough to do working with a team and working individually. I'm working individually now serving the Durham region, Peterborough, Kawartha Lakes, Northumberland and I do scoot down to Simcoe County it sounds like a really large span but I grew up in Simcoe County spent 18 years living in Innisfil and then I moved to Durham region to go to school so I was in the Durham region for about eight or nine years and then just prior to uh, getting my real estate license all finalized I moved to Peterborough I bought my first house and Peterborough was the place that uh, I could afford at the time. So that's where I purchased. So I'm kind of all over the place, but with good reason. I've got pretty wide knowledge of quite a few geographical areas in the province.
0: Very cool. And Nicole and I were chatting during the pre-interview about um, how I used to live in Oshawa, and actually uh, was not somewhere where I wanted to live forever, but same kind of idea. We purchased a home that... Made us some great equity over the years, and then moved out of there to now um, what is a more ideal place for me and my lifestyle. But uh, yeah, let's talk a little bit about your first home purchase because twenty five and twenty five, what two years ago is wild to um, <laughs> to purchase a home. I posted something I think today. Um, That said, 36 or 39 is the average age now of a home buyer, first time home buyer in Canada. So, 25, kudos to you. Tell us a little bit about that process. Well, thank
1: you. Thank you. Um, I will be fully transparent um, before I even get into the story because I think this is super important for our generation to understand. I had financial help. So, this is super valid. Um, This is a big reason why I think I was able to buy at 25. And I also want to preface by saying, if you can't buy until you're 36, at least you're buying. This has nothing to do with anybody's age, but I really wanted to talk about kind of my drive and what brought me to purchasing at 25. So um, wasn't all rainbows and sunshine. My mom had sold my childhood home after, I think it was like 24 years. um, And it was tough to see it go. However, it allowed myself to have... Um, a bit of a cushion to purchase a property. So she moved to a much smaller home. Her initial home that she sold was mortgage free. So I'll throw that in there as well. She did not owe any money on the property. And she downsized entirely. She moved from a five bedroom, four bathroom home to a two bedroom, one bathroom home. So to preface, save lots of money there. So I was gifted a down payment. um, But I had a huge motivator. I was in the midst of getting my real estate license and I really didn't feel comfortable selling property with people without doing it myself. I really wanted to have a full understanding of what it's like for people to go through this process emotionally, financially, mentally, all that good stuff. So I really wanted to make a point of having that realm of knowledge of real estate first. And it was tough. I got my heart broken, you know. I had my heart broken several times in the process. I was knocked out of multiple offers. There were terms and an accepted agreement that really just didn't work out in my favor. And it was tough. And it built a lot of character. However, it was something that I felt vital to my career, but also to my life. I've got dogs and I've got, you know... A partner. And I've got all these things that I needed the space for. Um, I was renting at the time, and it just really wasn't an ideal situation. I did everything I could to get out of it. And that's what landed me in, in Peterborough. So I Amazing. live about 40 minutes north of my workplace. And uh, I wouldn't trade it for the world right now because I'm sitting on a pile of equity. And that's what I just keep telling myself. Well, that's just what I was going to say,
0: not to mention your building equity but I will ask Um, as we head into probably a busier spring market with multiple offers are you feeling triggered
1: <laughs> yeah absolutely <laughs> I'm like I'm like starting to sweat I'm picking my nails again I'm like ooh, here we go um right. but it's also one of those things where as a realtor I still obviously get such a rush from doing the spring market and the multiple offers and the things like that but From a personal level, from my consumers and my buyers, I'm like, I'm sending you love. I'm wishing (laughs) you luck. This is going to be interesting, but you can do it.
0: Yeah, (laughs) we're going to need a little bit of pixie dust to get through the market, but I think it'll be good. Um, Absolutely. You just did my segue for me. Thank you very much. (laughs) Um, My next question is, when we're looking at data, um, there's so many numbers There are so many markers. There's so many factors. I know even on my side of the business, like I'm tracking things like employment data, which I never thought that I would care about until the interest rates hike hikes and all this. But that's not to say that a first-time buyer needs to be up to date on all those things. Literally follow me on Instagram. You'll know what you need to know. (laughs) If I'm a first-time buyer, like what do I need to pay attention to? So this
1: is going to vary slightly because everybody's a little bit different. Everybody's situation is a little bit different. But um, I'm going to do a little bit of a hot take here. I can't stand the standard market updates we see from realtors. I understand there's value there. I understand there's good information there. However, a lot of those market updates you're looking at are such a broad scope of averages. So we have to consider Durham region, for example. That spreads from Ajax, Pickering, all the way to Clarington. So you're 25 minutes from North York, or you're 45 minutes from North York. There's a big difference and a big spread in that region. So if you're looking at the averages of the sale price on that entire region for a particular property, whether it be condos or detached or townhouse, it's data, it's real data, but it's super broad, very broad. So when you're working with your realtor as a first time buyer, you're gonna sit down and you're gonna kind of hone in on a geographical location, If you're looking in Durham region, you're not looking at the entire Durham region. You're going to pick pockets and you're going to find what works for you. So you're going to pick Oshawa or Whitby or Bowmanville, whatever it may be. And you're going to know if your budget is a little bit more conducive to a condo or if it's a little more conducive to a detached, your realtor is going to help you with this. The market updates are not necessarily going to guide you to this information. I find it super important as a buyer and a seller, but especially first time buyers to understand consumer behavior. What is everybody else doing? You don't necessarily wanna follow what everybody else is doing, but you wanna know what everyone else is doing. Um, I'm lucky enough that I work for a brokerage where we we kind of spy on people essentially. We love stats. We love to look at what's going on in the market. This is all free information, but we do the time to put it all together. And uh, we track showings, we track firm sales and we track new listings. We're not gonna track the average sale price. We're not gonna track your days on market. That number is not important to a first time buyer. What consumers are doing, heavily important to first time buyers because it's gonna indicate the direction the market's going in. If more people are starting to buy, that indicates that even more people are gonna start start to buy and it's gonna indicate potentially an uptick in prices and an uptick in offers and all that good stuff.
0: Exactly. And especially now, um, I'll put this into context a little bit for folks who are not familiar with what's going on with interest rates. They've mm-hmm. hiked interest rates up how many times um, consecutively. And now lots of folks don't qualify. So lots of first time home buyers have been reapproved maybe sometime around last summer um two summers ago maybe and now the rates have gone so high that the amount of mortgage that they can afford is so small they do not qualify for anything in the market now when rates do drop and we don't know when they will drop there's tons of different predictions nobody has a crystal ball but they will drop um in 2024 2025 As that's happening, people qualify for more mortgage, and then they're able to pull the trigger and actually buy. But before the rates even drop, this is why sentiment is so important, before rates drop, sentiment changes. The minute the Bank of Canada announces, hey, we're officially holding rates, we will no longer be um, hiking rates then we are going to see the market flood because people are going to say, well, this is worst case scenario. I know what I can afford. I'm qualified and I'm going to pull the trigger. So this is why everybody's up in arms saying buy now, buy now, buy now, or at least get qualified now um, because the rush is coming. So tell us more about what we need to be looking at. You mentioned showings and listings. What else am I wanting to talk to my realtor about?
1: So my biggest one is showings and listings and also firm sales because Mm -hmm. firm sales are one of those things where um, conditions have been lifted, deposits have been made and a sale is ready to go. It has been done. The purchase has been made. People have bought. This is an even bigger indication of consumer confidence. People are now pulling the trigger. Um, You can also ask your realtor. This is a great one. Ask them if any of their other buyers have come out from the woodworks. Ask them if their specific clients Starting to buy again. This is information that a lot of realtors are happy to share. We love telling people how many clients we have on the go. A lot of the time, your your realtor will tell you. And this is one of those things where if it has to do with a dollar value, don't bother looking at it as a first-time buyer. If it has to do with consumer behavior, new listings, how many sellers are putting out inventory. How many pieces of inventory are getting scooped up in firm sales? And how many people are actually booking showings is really going to solidify the trajectory that we're hitting. So um, I specifically go over showings with my guys. And just to kind of brief it really quickly for those listening, um, in 2024, so this year, the first week of January, we saw 296 showings. 2023, same week, we saw 121 showings. So that's a significant increase, and that's going to indicate potentially a strong spring market. We saw a strong spring market in 2023, even with the quote-unquote risk of interest doing whatever it's doing, people were still out there, and people were still
0: active. And that was all sentiment. That wasn't really, exactly. nothing had really
1: changed. Like inflation
0: no. was still high, we are still worried about a recession, prices were still dropping. And yet people were transacting because they were afraid yes. that they'd lose their chance. So sorry And happened. I think it's
1: also important to note that we also now as a society have kind of gotten comfortable with the changes being made financially as, with our country or province as a whole. At first, it's really shocking to hear, oh my God, interest rates are going to go crazy. This, that, and the other, I'm going to lose my house. Inflation is nuts. But eventually, society gets okay with it. Do we love it still? No. But we, as human nature, get comfortable with the situation we're put in. We adapt. I truly believe consumers have kind of finalized their adaptation and they say, well, it is what it is. We got to buy a house eventually.
0: Yeah. They've absorbed the ouch and now they're kind of looking at, okay, this is the reality. This is the situation. I have to operate within these parameters that have been given to me and Bob's your uncle. Then they just they go. just if they're qualified, then they have to buy. So we're we're talking to our realtor about these things. We're trying to be as ready as possible before we transact, we're pre-approved, all these things. There's one thing about first-time buyers, and I love first-time buyers, it's my preference mm. to work with first-time buyers. Love them. Um, but expectations. Let's talk about expectations, especially in a market that we're going to be entering. That's going to be a multiple offer market, Um, especially Mm -hmm. for those homes that are attractive to investors and first time buyers. They're going to be hot. So let's talk about expectations. Give it to me.
1: Expectations is probably one of my favorite conversations because as a consumer myself, um, I have none. (laughs) so I have I have some because I have some self-respect but I I truly when it came to buying my first house uh, just as a little bit of a a token of information here um, my wish list was a yard that I could fence in a dishwasher and central air that was it I said anything else I'll make work if the flooring's ripped up I'll make it work if you know I don't have uh, a wall somewhere I should I'll make it work if I don't have a garage I'll make it work so expectations are one of my favorite things to talk about because um, I think sometimes people are nervous to have those conversations. So I actually, um, I helped somebody sell back in the summer. They sold at 925 at the height of the market and they had to buy something significantly cheaper. And we were seeing probably close to three dozen houses before I sat down with her and I said, look, I love you, but part of my job is helping you stay in the market. We need to seriously reevaluate where we're heading right now. We need to look at this property as the stepping stone home. It's not your forever home. It's the stepping stone to another space. And uh, it's, it's really, really important for first-time buyers, especially to understand what equity is and why it's beneficial. So I bought my house at $555,000 during a pretty busy market. Um, I bought it because there were no offers on it and where everything had multiple offers because it was tenanted. So there was a family living in my house when I bought it. And then when I got title and it was my property after the deal closed, they were still living there and they lived there for two months post close. So I couldn't move into my home. Um, And I also lost a lot of money because they didn't pay me rent and I was still paying the mortgage. And that's the sacrifice and the expectation I needed to realize and accept if I wanted to own a property and other big expectations I experienced from buyers, first time buyers, especially is commuting. They don't want to commute too far to work. I drive an hour into work there and back every day, because if I really sat and said, mm, I'm not going to drive to work, I probably would still be renting and not building my own equity. So to get to the point of putting money in your own pocket you have to have realistic expectations if you have a beer budget and champagne expectations it's not going to work right and it's
0: okay for it not to be the right thing for you right now or ever i mean there are folks who have a wonderful lifestyle who rent and that's okay yes and but then it's a trade-off right there's lifestyle sacrifices for owning a home mostly financial But then, if you're renting, there's those long term sacrifices. Where right now, what's happening with the boomers is some of them who don't have pensions are actually sitting on their retirement plans when they liquidate their properties. They maybe have never even expected to be sitting on $1.2, $1.5 million on a property in the GTA, right? So those kind of things are happening. And then as we're seeing the price of homes climb, your equity is climbing. I think that's something that's sometimes missed in the conversation about why you're wanting to own a home. Yeah, you want to stop paying rent. I get it. But when you say like you're paying into your pocket, like you're paying and then some, and then you're accruing on top of that. Like there's just, you're you're really building your, your wealth by owning property. So
1: you really untap uh, a limit on your financial potential when you own a property. Um, there are, are spaces in the world, especially in Asia where people just rent. Renting is the norm. Renting is so normal. Nobody owns property. People just rent. So there's really pros and cons with both things. I mean, we're looking at situations right now where people who have bought at a certain interest rate can no longer afford their properties. That wouldn't happen if you're renting.
0: Exactly. So there is a risk on both sides. But then the other thing is folks who've been in the market five to 10 years, then they come up for renewal and you have the option hey, can I refinance? Can I take some money out of this? Maybe um, a spouse is going back to school. Maybe somebody, I'm thinking about my life stage, somebody wants an extended mat leave. Maybe I need to finish a basement. Like Those kind of uh, lifestyle cushions can be possible with equity. So,
1: Absolutely. And even so, something I'm considering doing personally with my home is pulling out equity um, in five to seven years and keeping this property and buying an investment property. Or buying my primary residence and keeping this as an investment property, whatever it may be. So you can we actually love, use a your equity. We yes, love a female investor. We love a female investor. Yes. You can use your equity to continue building your um your property portfolio, which ultimately continues paying more and more money into your pocket. You will eventually actually make money on your homes. If but you here's continue. the thing,
0: the hardest property is the first one It's literally the hardest one because once you get your first property, the money's going to start working for you, but you have Mm -hmm. to work for the money for the down payment and for the consistency in employment, or maybe some funky stuff that your mortgage broker is going to work out with you um, for your, for your mortgage. So it's the most difficult to qualify for. And then after that, kind of the sky's the limit, as long as you're patient and you have your goals and your, your spending is still in line with your goals. Um, so, okay. I've had the conversation with you now, Nicole, I'm ready to go out and house hunt. What can I expect from a transaction kind of over overview?
1: For sure. So essentially you're going to start with getting a ton of different emails or text messages or links sent to you with houses. You're going to be spending the first few weeks, just looking through photographs, reading through numbers, reading through listing sheets, the whole thing. A lot of it is, kind of the epitome of house shopping you're looking at realtor.ca you're sending your realtor links at two in the morning because you can't i'm getting tingly
0: i love this part you know it you
1: know it um and that's the fairy tale of it all and then you find one you like and you're like oh now we actually have to talk about signing paperwork and putting numbers together and full transparency this is super intimidating if you've never done it before so heavily rely on your realtor that's why it's important to get somebody you like to work with because you need to have that trust with them because you're going to rely on them for a lot of that information. So there's a lot of things that go into structuring an offer when you're doing it. You're going to pick a closing date. You're going to pick how much you want to pay for the house. You're going to want to pick how much of a deposit you want to put down different from a down payment. If you guys don't know the difference, check out Brayna's video. She did a great one today on her story. It's fabulous. But you have to have so many different working parts together. Conditions clauses, but this is where your realtors are really going to guide you and almost coddle you and say, don't worry. I know your pre-approval because you worked with a great mortgage broker and you sent me your information. And we're going to put this together in a value that I think the house is worth.
0: And from from a mortgage perspective on, I'm just thinking of Mm -hmm. night, which is Like, say we're heading into Mm. a spring spring market. I'm envisioning what happened during COVID. Offer night, you have multiple offers. You know what's going to happen, except there's more transparency now because of the new trust regulations, which we'll see how that plays out. But um, the way it works on the mortgage end is like, yeah, you're pre-approved. But that pre-approval number is at a rate that may be a pretty high rate, to be quite honest, right now in a declining rate environment. So what you're going to want to do, whether you're working with me, and if you're listening to this podcast, you you should be working with me. You should
1: be working (laughs) with whoever
0: you're working with. um, You want to have contact, like be in contact with them on the phone conversation, not text. You need to be calling them Mm -hmm. and asking them if you're having to go back to the table and offer and offer and offer, Uh, you want to make sure that you're good for that at their best um, interest rate or the best interest rate for you so you qualify for the maximum amount of mortgage for your specific situation, because your best interest rate, remember, could be different from somebody else's. So that communication piece, both with your realtor and your mortgage agent, is so important. And you need to be able to be comfortable to ask questions too. Like, for example, the deposit versus down payment. Um, If you have a 10K deposit that you've decided you're comfortable with with your realtor, and they say, you know what, we're going to need that 30K out of your down payment to put down as a deposit. But you know, or you're just not feeling comfortable, you're icky and you think, yeah, maybe my financing's not that airtight, or maybe there's something within this property that I'm not super comfortable with. You won't get that deposit back if you go in firm. So you need to be able to advocate for yourself, which is sometimes very difficult, especially for single women in the situation. So I just want to highlight. Yes.
1: That. I think it's very important that you mention that because. Times are changing in a sense of it's not just man and woman buying a house anymore. I mean, it's 2024. That is, it's, that is such a dated way of looking at things. And we as real estate professionals need to protect our people, but we also need to listen to our people. There's a huge, 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 um, I think gap in a lot of times professionals think they know what's up. And we do, we obviously work very, very hard to establish a foundation of knowledge and skill. However, we do have to remember we are working with people and every single person we come in contact with is different. And we need to keep our ears open and our eyes open and listen to their concerns. We need to ask them, check in on them, say, Hey, how are things going? How are, how are you doing? How are you feeling? And if you're not doing that, be prepared as a professional to have your client say, this is going to change, or I'm feeling this way, or yada, yada, yada. So I think that's super important to highlight. And I also think it's super important to mention, if you as a client are green, and maybe are not understanding something as well, feel free to say, hey, real estate agent, can you please call my mortgage agent or my mortgage broker and have direct lines of communication with them? I'm always happy to do that for people and have a really open conversation with other mortgage and real estate professionals. Because I think, again, if you really look at what we're doing as, as individuals who are facilitating these deals, we are a team. We are teammates. We wear the same jersey, and, and I want to make it, sure we that... want to
0: help the buyer, but also everybody is earning a commission, and everybody wants the yeah. deal to go through. Everybody wants the transaction yeah. to be smooth and for the communication to be kind, and that goes for the seller too. Like they want the transaction to happen. So I think yeah, yeah. absolutely. Err on the side of more communication rather than less communication. Um, so I think that, yeah, there's some great tidbits there and some great takeaways. Um, and you can re-listen to this episode if you are heading into an offer night, or you could just give one of us a call because we're happy to chat with you. Um, Throw but us I'm, on a
1: conference call. Yes. Throw us on a conference call.
0: Don't tempt me. Don't tempt me with a good time. <laughs> uh, so Nicole, do you have any uh, parting Advice or maybe something, this is one that I've been asking a lot of my guests. Is there something that's giving you hope for first time home buyers? Because I am a naturally optimistic person and I'm filled with hope, but I'm interested uh, about what you have to share about that.
1: So I may be a little bit biased on this, but I think one of my biggest optimistic points for first time buyers is that people will use the term real estate is oversaturated with agents right now. There's tons and tons of realtors. I think that's a great thing. First-time buyers have the luxury of picking somebody, not only do they trust their knowledge, but who they enjoy hanging out with. Um, I'm a bit of a, a bubbly, bold, bright person. I'm heavily tattooed. So a lot of times people, I've had people push back and I've had people who love it. And so it's one of those things where I really like that first-time buyers have the opportunity not only to build a beautiful relationship with a realtor, but also build a beautiful relationship with another human being. We're doing such a personal job. And if you're able to connect with your agent on more than one way, I think that's a beautiful way to ensure that your journey to buying your first home is going to be a memorable one in all the right ways.
0: (laughs) In all the right ways, exactly. And you do want to find somebody that, that you vibe with and that you... Perhaps have something in common with other than yeah. real estate because especially on your end, Nicole, you're spending a lot of face to face in person time with these folks. I mean, I conduct my yes. virtually and I connect with my clients, but like you're you're face to face there. So yeah, you gotta like each other. And and if it's not your person, that's okay. Like that's something you need to know.
1: Absolutely. I think one of my favorite client stories of all time before we part ways is um I was actually hired. Uh, because of one of my tattoos. I was up against another super, super, super well known agent in the area. And I was actually charging a higher commission than they were. And I was chosen because my client loved one of my tattoos. And now I uh, I spend holidays with her. I spent Christmas at her place. So I we are that. thick as thieves because of, of a tattoo. So it's really true. You can find your people and your people can also have the knowledge you need to make a great financial and real estate decision.
0: Absolutely, and with that, Nicole, we can find you. Correct me if I'm wrong on Instagram at Radist Realtor, and yes,
1: at- Facebook. Um, I'm also on TikTok. If you find me on Instagram, you'll be able to find me everywhere else. My hub of where I post is Instagram. I'm super active on there because I uh, I think social media is the future, especially for the young generation of home buyers. You and me both, girlfriend. Yes. With
0: that, thank you for joining me on Homeowner AF. And I'm sure this won't be the last time. Thank you, Brianna.